everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Like many of you, I was made aware of stranger danger at a young age. I knew never to wear headphones while walking alone, to never answer the door for someone I didn't know, that kind of stuff. Basically, as a child, I believed that someone was always looking to take kids away from their parents, which wasn't exactly wrong. It's just that stranger danger doesn't go away once you're grown. There are new predators hanging in the shadows, or even broad daylight. They're just waiting for their next victim. Staying vigilant, as consuming as it can be, helps us to survive. Tonight, we will hear the stories from people who one way or another walked away from their terrifying experience, and they share their stories as a sort of warning. So, let's get started, shall we? A few years ago, I entered the University of Lausanne to start my medical studies. I had just arrived in the city and even in the country. I was very excited to start my year, to discover the university, and to meet new people. Everything was going great until the end of the third week. Friday night around 9 p.m., I leave the library, say goodbye to my friends, and start to go home. The pace of work was really already very intense. We'd been working all day, and I was in a rush to get home. It was my favorite part of the day because I got to put on my music, take the subway, and then the train, and it gives me a chance to rest. Anyway, that night it was cold, so there was no one left outside. It takes me about seven minutes to walk from the library to the subway. I'm walking quietly with my music in my ears, when all of a sudden I get a shiver that runs through my body from head to toe. I start to feel uncomfortable, as if someone was watching me. And at that point, I pause my music and decide not to turn around to check in case the person is trying to be really inconspicuous, and if I notice them, something might happen. I don't want to run either because I'm not sure if I can run faster and I don't know where to go. At this point, we pass a glass building, so I decided to look inside and pretend I'm fixing my hair. I quickly glance in the corner of my eye, and my blood runs cold. There's definitely someone walking a few feet behind me, in a hoodie. I try to reassure myself that he's just finished work, that he's going home, that he's cold, and that's why he's wearing a hoodie but I didn't see a backpack, and there's no houses for civilians around. I decided to send a message to my mother saying, come get me in front of such and such building. Please, I really don't feel safe. It's important to know that the university is 30 minutes by car from my house. At this very moment, I don't find any other solution, and I decide to take refuge in a building while waiting for my mother to come and get me. I opened the door, took off my helmet, and went down the stairs to find a hiding place. 
I thought I was out of trouble when suddenly I heard the door that I came in through open. This time I'm sure that he's after me, but since I'm new, I don't know this building and where it leads. I run downstairs at full speed, and I hear behind me the footsteps of this guy running down the stairs, also at full speed. I run without looking back. I'm sure that he's running faster than me and that he will catch up to me. I don't even know where I'm going, but I pray that I don't fall into a dead end. Looking back, I even think of it like the movie The Shining in the labyrinth scene. I didn't know how far ahead of him I was, so I opened a window in the hallway to make it look like I escaped out there, and then I opened a door a little further down. It was a huge auditorium in the dark. I went down the stairs and hid under a desk in the middle right, and I put my phone on silent. My mom had been texting me a lot, asking me what was going on and saying that she was on her way with my dad. I text her, I'm in such and such building. He's looking for me. Please come quickly. I hid under that desk thinking I was screwed, that my hiding place sucked and he was going to find me any second. Then I heard a thud and a huge scream. I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life as I was when I heard that scream. For 15 minutes, my mother was sending me messages telling me to hang on. And at the end of those 15 long minutes waiting for him to find me. I finally got the message from my mom, where she says that she's here with the police. They're going to enter the building, and they need to know where I am. I just tell them I'm on the second floor because I have no idea which way I was going. After two minutes, I heard the door of the auditorium, and it was the police that had come to get me. Once I got out, they took my statement and said that they would check with the university management. The next day, they contacted us and said that they saw on the surveillance cameras that there was indeed someone who was following me when I entered the building. But there were no cameras inside. You can't see the guy's face, and therefore we don't know who it is. They just said that security was going to do patrols at night and advised me to have someone with me whenever I went out at that time. We never heard about it again. And that's good. This happened when I was about six years old, but I still remember it very well. Like many kids that age, I was scared of the dark, to the point where a Scooby-Doo movie could give me nightmares for weeks. So I often moved to lay with my head at the foot of the bed, as it allowed me to peek out the door and into the living room, where my parents usually watched TV after tucking me in. This particular night was no different. It was dark and quiet when I woke up. My parents must have gone to bed. Then, I saw a slender woman, who looked to be no older than thirty. Her fair hair was long, almost down to her waist, and she wore a simple dress that reached her shins. She wasn't transparent, but she had this weird, faint glow, and she held her arms to her chest as if she was carrying a tiny infant. I knew instantly that it wasn't my mother. She had short hair, almost a bob cut, 
and never wore more than underwear to bed. Maybe a t-shirt at most, but certainly not a long nightgown. Furthermore, my younger sister was a toddler at the time, far bigger than the infant-like thing that this woman was holding. She walked silently with her face directed down toward the infant, paying me no attention as she slowly made her way past my bedroom door. I knew it wasn't my mother, yet I felt absolutely calm, despite my usual night terror. It was as if I recognized instinctively that this woman, whoever she was, was not a threat to me. And so I laid still, waiting for her to return and pass by my room again. She couldn't walk more than three or four steps past my door in that direction. There was an old wooden dining table. It would seat about eight to twelve people, blocking the way. She couldn't even walk around it either. She'd have to turn around. But no matter how long I waited, she never returned. In the end, I got tired of waiting, and I got out of bed to check it out. Nothing. There was no one in the living room, nor the kitchen. I even went to check on my parents, who were sound asleep. Puzzled, I headed back to bed and eventually fell asleep. I asked my parents at breakfast the following morning who the lady from last night was, as I'd never seen her before. Had they held a late-night get-together? But my parents had no clue what I was talking about, and I ended up just shrugging it off. I never saw her again, but my fear of the dark ended soon after, as if the encounter had somehow assured me. And more than two decades later, I still feel her presence in the house. My parents and sister have noticed it too, although they've never seen her. Sometimes we all joke about it, except my sister, who feels uncomfortable and creeped out about it. My childhood home isn't particularly old, but it had been owned a few times before my parents purchased it in their late 20s. We're not religious, and I don't know who or what she could be, but the house would feel oddly empty without her, and I like the small signs of her being there. I do wonder, however. So, three years ago, I was walking home late at night from my friend's house. It was dark, and at the time, I lived in a rough part of a large city. I've had many sketchy situations that I've gotten myself out of, so I guess I felt sort of invincible, like nothing truly scary could happen to me. When I walk alone, I always stay very alert and aware of my surroundings for my own safety, just in case. About halfway home and roughly ten minutes to my apartment, I notice a van started tailing me. I was used to this since in my city... It's very common for a young woman in a rough area to get propositioned for sex. It's embarrassing how desensitized to this I was. I did my usual and crossed the road so that I'd be walking beside the traffic heading in the other direction. I wasn't scared, just annoyed. The van then turned down a side street, then backed onto the road that I was on, and pulled up next to me. At this point, I still wasn't scared. 
Again, this has happened so many times, and it never mattered if I was wearing something that showed a little more skin, or if I was wearing a winter coat zipped from below my chin all the way down to my ankles. That area is notorious for that type of activity. I decided to be firm and told the person sternly, I'm not interested. I noticed there were two men in the van. They looked almost identical, and they may have been twins or brothers. Both men had very, very dark eyes and short, dark hair. The van didn't move. I was super annoyed and crossed the road again to get away. At this point, I figured this would be enough for them to stop following me. They didn't. They kept circling back every time I crossed the road. I've never had to put that much effort into getting a horny pervert to leave me alone. So, this was starting to feel unsafe. They zipped by me at the speed the traffic was flowing in, and I yelled for them to fuck off. I thought it finally worked. It had been about three minutes and I hadn't seen the van, so I thought I was in the clear. Just in case, I pulled my phone out and was getting ready to call my sister who I lived with. Just then, the van pulled up to me very quickly, and before I could even blink, one of the men jumped out of the van, opened the back door, and approached me quickly in an aggressive manner, as if he was about to scoop me up and throw me into the vehicle. The traffic in that area is very inconsistent. It was dead, and I imagine that is what they were waiting for. Just as the man was about to place his hands on me, I tilted my phone and said, You're being filmed in my live video chat. I gave my friends your license plate number, and the police have been notified. I was so scared, but I didn't let that show. I stayed as calm as I could. The man paused like he was considering if I was bluffing or telling the truth. So I tilted the phone more, as if to give the fake audience a better look at him. He then jumped into the van, and they sped off. I've never been the same since that night. I'm afraid of walking alone now, even in the daytime. Stay safe out there. And to the two creeps in the van, let's not ever meet. I hope karma finds you both soon. About seven years ago, I was at my boat. It was an old wooden cabin cruiser that I kept at an old broken-down marina on the Chesapeake Bay. I slept on the boat in the main salon on a pull-out couch. I was lying on my back when in the middle of the night, I awoke to find myself with a giant black Labrador retriever straddling me with legs on either side of me on the bed. He was just standing there, looking around like I wasn't there at all. I immediately thought I was dreaming. I said I was going to shut my eyes and open them, and it would be gone. I shut them and reopened them, and it was still there. It was not mean or aggressive, just huge. I shut them again and reopened them, and it was gone. Later that morning, 
a worker at the marina fell to his death off the top of a travel lift, which is a big crane that hauls boats in and out of the water. I had never heard anything about black dog apparitions in my life, and I thought that it was just a dream, but googled black dog apparitions, and apparently they are often seen near water and can be an indicator of death. I was pretty blown away after that. The boat I'm currently sleeping on is also haunted. I know it's haunted because the ghost would always play tricks on me, turning on switches to things I knew I had turned off. The ghost's favorite thing was to turn on my fresh water pump after I left. It was a pull-out switch that was on the console, and it wasn't easy to pull out either. It got so bad that one weekend I had my friend watch me turn it off. I got back the following Friday, and it was back on, of course. I believe the ghost is the original owner, a friend of mine. The boat was his pride and joy. A few months ago, I was at the local coin laundromat. The laundromat is pretty small, closer to the edge of the beach town that I live in. The town is pretty well known for drifters and people experiencing homelessness. Most people are friendly, and though there's a lot of drug use, I've never really felt scared. I went late because I had been studying that day. It was around 10 p.m., Everything was fine until I went to move my laundry to the dryer. I was listening to music on my headphones, but not super loudly. Suddenly, I got the feeling that someone was watching me. I can't really explain it, I just felt the presence. I turned around, and there was a man standing just a few feet away from me. He was a guy with pink hair who was wearing a full face mask like a ski mask, a hoodie, gloves, and sunglasses, even though it was dark out. The gloves and sunglasses immediately made me feel uncomfortable. I thought maybe he was a drifter or high, but I didn't want to be rude. I tried to laugh it off and told him he surprised me. He immediately started talking. A lot of it was disjointed, and it just didn't make any sense. He was talking about coming up from Brazil to bring my brother money to get a classic car. Again, none of it really made much sense, but he would ask me questions and wait for me to respond, so I tried to just play along. I still thought he was probably just high or something, but he was standing between me and the only door, and I started getting this gut feeling that he was blocking the door on purpose, not just accidentally as he talked to me. He was getting closer to me as he talked and the feeling got stronger. Logically, something was off, but mostly I just had this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I needed to leave and keep him talking until I could. I started to edge to the side, but he stayed in front of me and the feeling got more intense. I started to grip my keys in an attack position, just in case. He talked more and then backed off a little 
He took off his backpack, which was a child's unicorn backpack, and he set it on a nearby dryer. I looked over to the door for just a second, and when I looked back, he was pulling out something that I couldn't see and holding it to the side behind him, concealing it from me. But I did see what was in his backpack, duct tape. Instantly, it was just like an alarm went off. There was no more worrying about being rude, no more second-guessing myself that he was just off but harmless. It was like this cold, numb dread just washed over me. I almost felt calm, like I knew the next steps, knew that I had to do something. Time seemed to move in slow motion, and he turned back to me, not saying anything anymore, and took a step forward. I gripped my keys as tightly as possible and tried to mentally prepare to fight. I remember being afraid that I would move too slow or be too weak, like in a nightmare. But all of a sudden, the door to the laundromat opens, and a woman walked in. Barely even looking at us, she just went to get her laundry. It was like a scene in a movie, a moment of intensity just interrupted by something innocuous, and suddenly, it's over. He just turned, got his bag, and left. I was so scared I just stayed there a minute until I could get my laundry and just go home. I didn't report it. I never knew what to say since nothing had actually happened. But when I think about it, I think the scariest thing is that he left as soon as someone walked in. If he was just crazy, it wouldn't have mattered. I think a stranger's laundry timer saved me from something terrible. I don't go to the laundromat anymore. I joined a laundry service. The extra cost is worth it to never go back. So to the man with the pink hair and the unicorn backpack, let's not meet again. So this happened somewhere in the middle of 2017. I'm not sure as for the other countries, but here in Brazil, all houses are gated for safety. And the only places where you can find houses with their front doors leading directly to the streets are in closed condos. My friend James threw a small group hangout at his place. He lived in one of those condos with dozens of identical small houses. So it was maybe five or six of us clutched in a tight living room, having pizza and watching some shit on TV. We were all going to have a sleepover that night, and as it is for every group hangout we have, everyone would possibly spend the night awake. It was maybe around 1am when we all decided to go for a late night walk around the condo. It's pretty safe, with tall walls and a good doorman, as all condos should, so it's always nice to walk around there. We all went slowly down the street passing through many houses identical to his, talking quietly so we didn't wake up the neighbors. Eventually, we stop by the empty children's playground and decide to climb the little wooden jungle gym. 
There was enough room for all five or six of us to sit, talk, smoke, and hang out. No one around, no annoying kids, just silence and peace for us to chill. Behind this playground, there was one of the condo walls. And behind that wall, some woods with big trees looming over us. On the other side, the street, then the sidewalk, and the many identical houses. Every two houses, there was a light pole, lighting everything up. We were all talking about random stuff, listening to music on a very low volume on someone's phone, when eventually we ended up getting into the paranormal subject. As our topics came and went on spirits, ghosts, spooky stuff, horror movies, etc., and so forth, we noticed James, our host, get quite tense. He wasn't necessarily into the conversation and was visibly getting serious and gloomy. All of a sudden, he said something along the lines of, Yeah, we shouldn't be talking about those things so nonchalantly and deliberately. Kind of bothers them. All of us knew that James was a medium. He'd mentioned a lot of times how he'd always see spirits and interact with entities in his childhood. But he ended up blocking that away, however, still seeing stuff every now and then. Even those of us who weren't spiritual or anything respected him, and we never dared to doubt a thing that he said, mostly because of his grandma. He still lived with and cared for her. She was highly spiritual, and on many occasions confirmed that what he was saying was the truth. Therefore, when James said that, we all just nodded and changed the subject. A few minutes later, James was still a bit shook, And he said to us, It's getting a bit late, and you're all kind of loud, guys. We're going to get called on if we stay out here. Let's go back and drink some more. We all shrugged, agreed, and hopped off the wooden house. Then, when we were all going up the street, James looked back apprehensively and said, So, as I said, please avoid talking about that stuff that way out of nowhere. He's been standing near that light pole, looking at us, since y'all first touched that topic. Needless to say, we all got terrified, shitless, and bolted up the street. Later on, we tried to talk him into elaborating further upon what had happened. He clarified that the male entity meant no harm, and was purely looking at us as if curious. I remember questioning James, why he saw it if he had blocked it out of his mind. And he said that he's been trying to sort of reconnect with the other side, in hopes of seeing his deceased mother again. We haven't talked much about spirits since then. It was 2005-ish. My best friend was in town, and she was able to get us a nice hotel room near the bars. We got back to the hotel late, but before midnight. We were intoxicated, but not blackout drunk or anything. We go get ready for bed, 
put on our jammies and fell right to sleep in the queen-size bed. Originally, we were each going to have our own bed, but there was a mix-up with our reservation, and we decided we didn't mind. Anyways, several hours later, I woke up with bleary eyes, and I saw a man staring at us, and in my stupor, I calmly asked, What are you doing here? My friend then woke up at the sound of my voice and asked what was going on. The man seemed frozen, like a deer in headlights. He told us he was hotel security and that there had been a report of a disturbance. He was here to ask us to quiet down. Confused, we told him that we'd been asleep for hours and he told us okay and to have a good night. He left out the door, and we went right back to sleep. The next morning, we went down to talk to management, because as we discussed the previous night together, we realized something very strange had happened. Management talked to my friend and then called someone more senior to talk to her. I was on the phone watching from a distance across the room. As they brought out the second person and they spoke to her, she became sheet white. They had no on-site security team, and no one had called in any disturbances the night before. They immediately moved us to a different room and upgraded the rest of our stay. To this day, I wonder if that room was targeted, because it was only supposed to have one woman in there with the one bed. And when the person saw the two of us, they panicked, decided not to move forward. I also wonder what would have happened if our reaction was not tempered by alcohol or a dreamlike state. If we had screamed, would that have triggered something more sinister? I'm 25 years old now, and this encounter, or prolonged experience rather, started when my family and I moved into an old house that my parents renovated. I was eight at the time. The house in itself was fine. However, we had a long garden and at the end of the property, a huge bricked barn. It had been used in the past by the military and later by firefighters for training because of its high ceilings and appearing beams, which were used for rope exercises. Anyway... I remember vividly when I first stepped inside the barn. Its gigantic structure impressed me, but I was struck by how cold it was. I don't remember if it was winter, but I used to be a very skeptical kid and always found a logical explanation, until I couldn't. I lived there until I was 18, and over the years it was always freezing inside. Summer and winter didn't make a difference, but maybe it was how it was built that it was made this way. If it had only been that, everything would have been fine and I would have remained that skeptical kid. But I began to feel things when I was inside, like someone watching me from behind or feeling a presence when I knew perfectly well I was alone. There was even one area that I couldn't walk to because I felt complete terror invade me when I went to this spot. I began hating that feeling. I thought I was a scaredy cat. 
but it only intensified. The window of my room had a view of the garden and automatically the barn. Sometimes, from the corner of my eye, I would see someone inside there. When I would look properly, no one was there, and if the door was closed, that meant it wasn't one of my family members either. Yet again, I brushed it off thinking it was an optical illusion or something. What I couldn't explain, however, was the emotions I felt when I was inside. Sadness, helplessness, sorrow. It raised chills down my spine every single time, but I couldn't understand why I was sensing or feeling these emotions. It went on for years, to the point I didn't want to go there anymore. I thought I was going insane. Until one day, a few years before we moved, my parents were told why the last owners abandoned the property. They had a 15-year-old son. He got bullied in school very badly, and he hung himself in the barn, right above the spot that terrified me. When I heard his story, everything made sense to me. I don't know if anyone will be interested in this story, but I felt I needed to write it. It still lives inside of me to this day, and changed me completely. Now I'm 100% sure that ghosts, spirits, whatever you want to call them, exist. Wrangler was a special cat. I know everyone says that, but he didn't belong to us. Our neighbor had a cat named Wrangler. He used to come and visit us every day. My daughter used to love reading stories to him. I have pictures of the two of them sitting on her porch. He seems to be truly listening. One day he came over and I noticed a horrible wound on his backside. He obviously had been in a fight. I went to my neighbors who owned him and asked if they knew about the wound. They affirmed that they knew but felt a vet visit wasn't needed. He's an outdoor cat. Shit happens. I was stunned. I asked for permission to take him myself, and they said, It's your money. He went on major medications, and I had to clean and pack his wound daily. He was incredible through the whole process. In doing blood work, it was discovered he had feline AIDS. I was devastated. This meant his recovery would have to take place in our garage away from my other cat that was inside my home. Our neighbors stopped caring for him completely, so after he fully recovered, he became our kitty. It killed me that I had to keep him indoors, but I just knew the dangers that awaited him. My daughter insisted that instead we get him a collar and a tag. It also had a bell. He seemed happy to be ours, we could always hear his collar bell ring each time he came to be fed. AIDS was horrible. He could never seem to get enough to eat. One morning, we did not hear his bell. My daughter called for him. Once in a while, he would behave this way. He was a cat after all. My daughter asked if she could go look for him. I agreed and continued to make breakfast. Suddenly... I heard my daughter screaming. She ran into our home, 
clutching me, sobbing. I asked, What's wrong, honey? What's wrong? Through sobs, she said it was Wrangler. A coyote had got to him, and he was what was left of him on our neighbor's lawn. I grabbed a blanket and I went to him. Almost all of him was there, albeit in pieces. Obviously, the coyotes could tell that he was ill. I scooped him up, and we buried him under his favorite tree in our yard. For weeks after, we would hear his bell ring outside the door, and we would always check. But there was never anything there. We knew it was him, our wrangler, letting us know he was okay. Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode, but be sure to join me every Friday night for a brand new one. I'd like to thank everyone for sharing their stories, and of course, I'd like to thank my loyal and kind audience. And for those of you who aren't subscribed, remember, if you love The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button, tap the notification bell, and tell all your friends. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, darkesthour at gmail.com. Also, check out our subreddit and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at thedarkesthouryt. Stay spooky.